0: As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here Monday through Friday as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, good morning. Fusion family, can y'all hear me? Okay, am I being picked up? All right, all right. Good morning, good morning. I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Um, I hope you're having a blessed holiday break. I know a lot of people are took the week off, not having to work. Um, so enjoy your time. Enjoy your time with your family. Pray you had a, a blessed Christmas. Um, this morning we are in First Thessalonians four verses 13 through 18. Um, not a lot of verses, but there's a whole lot to unpack, as always, um, in these short verses. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to jump right into it. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you again for this opportunity, Lord God, to, to dig into your word, Lord, and just to learn more and more of what you have to to show of us, Father, and, and the promises that we have of of what your son, Jesus, um, what he's gonna do uh, when he returns, Father, and when, when he, he returns to, to bring us up with him in glory, Lord God. So, Father, be with us during this time, Lord God. I pray to be your words that are heard and not mine, Father, and that and that uh you would just reveal new th- things to us, new insights, Father. Open up our minds, open up our hearts, Father, to receive a word from your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, let's give it a stretch. So, first Thessalonians. 4, 4, verses 13 through 18, and I am reading from the New King James Version. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Amen. All right. Get your stretch. Get your coffee in. So, in the in the few weeks that Paul was with the the the, the church and uh, the Th- the Thessalonian church, excuse me, he emphasized the return of Jesus, and the Thessalonians they believed it, right? They they fully believed that Jesus was going to return, and this was part of the reason why um, the the they were the kind of church that Paul complimented so highly. Right, he really appreciated their faith. Yet after he left them, they wondered about Christians who had died who who would die before Jesus would return. They were troubled by the idea that that these Christians might might miss out in, in the great event when Jesus returns to earth, and that they might they might miss the victory and they might miss the blessing. Of oh, Jesus coming back. So, but it's, in, it's interesting to note that four times in his letters, Paul asked Christians to not be ignorant about something. In Romans 11 25, he, he told them to not be ignorant about God's plan for Israel. In 1 Corinthians 12, you know, told them not to be ignorant about their spiritual gifts that they would receive. In 2 Corinthians 1 8, you know, not to be ignorant about suffering and trials in the Christian life. And then in First Thessalonians 4 verses, you know, right here, it says, don't be ignorant about, you know, to, it's about the, the second coming of Jesus. And remarkably, these are areas where ignorance is still very common in the Christian world. These are, these are issues that, that, you know, we have, you know, We struggled with, you know, whole denominations have happened in the church, you know, based on some of these things, you know, spiritual gifts, the second coming of Christ, you know, when is the rapture going to happen? You know, and we're going to talk about that briefly here in a little bit, you know, and all these things have have caused more division in the church, you know, um, and Paul is like, you know, we can't be ignorant about this, you know, but we also can't use this as something that's going to divide us. You know he talks about who those who have fallen asleep, sleep was a a common way to express death in the ancient world. But among pagans, you know, it, it always was seen as an eternal sleep. Um, Christians called death sleep, but they emphasized the idea of rest. Early Christians called their burial places cemeteries, and we still call them cemeteries today. But for them, cemeteries, Um, the, 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 the root word, the meaning of it, um, was dormitories or, or places of sleep, right? You know, so think about like that cemeteries, it wasn't viewed as a final resting place. It was viewed as a, as a, a place where people went to rest, right? The Bible, um, never describes the death of an unbeliever as sleep. All right the bible never describes the death of an unbeliever as sleep because there's no rest there's no peace there's no comfort for the unbeliever if they die for the christians you know for the christian death you know it, it's it's more like we're we're leaving the body right it's like it's like we're laying down for a nap and when we wake up in glory right you know, it is—it's—it's it's, it's moving on. It's not a dying. You know, that our fi- when, when when we finally pass away, you know, don't look at it as dying. We're moving on. This mortal flesh, this world is temporary, brothers and sisters. It's very temporary. And when we pass, when we pass away, we will go to sleep, just like we're taking a nap. But when we wake up, we're gonna wake up in glory. We're going, to be, we're going to wake up in heaven. We're going to wake up with the Father, right? So that's how Christians, that's how we need to view death. You know, for, Christians should not, you know, where it says here, sorrow as others who have no hope when their loved ones in Jesus die. As Christians, we we may mourn the death of a Christian, but not as others who have no hope. Our sorrow was like the sadness of, of of someone going away on a long trip, right? You're going away on a long trip, you know. And we know we're going to see you again. It may be some time, but we're going to see you again, you know. And that, that's how we need to view death. And yes, it's sad, and we're going to miss the miss the individual, you know. I'm sure all of us have lost someone who meant something to them, who was close to them, a family member, a friend, you know, and Yes, it's sad, and we think about them, and sometimes we we weep, you know, and and we mourn. However, we do not need to remain in that sorrow. We do not need to remain in that sadness because our loved one closed their eyes for the last time here on earth, but when they opened them up, they were in the presence of Jesus Christ, and that is something that we should celebrate. We should be excited. We should be happy for them, you know? Verse fourteen: If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep. We have we have more than than a wishful wishful hope of of, of resurrection. In the resurrection of Jesus, we have an uh, amazing example of it, and a promise of our own resurrection with Jesus Christ. For for the the Thessalonian Christians, their troubled minds were answered by the statement: God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. When Paul wrote about um, the death of believers, he called it sleep, but in his description of Jesus's death, he did not soften it by calling it sleep because there was nothing soft or peaceful about his death, right? That's That's the difference because when Jesus died, he, he took on all our sin, right? Jesus suffered the worst death that anyone has ever suffered because it was more than just the physical, Right. So he didn't he didn't use that same same terminology. He didn't say that Jesus just just slept. No, he said when Jesus died, right? That's making it, making it a delineation. You know, making it very clear what happened to Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say that we believe that Jesus died and and rose again. This was this was the confident belief of, of Paul and the early Christians. We live because Jesus lives and our union with him is stronger than death. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is stronger than any death. Because we know, again, death is is temporary. Death is just going to sleep and waking up with him if you have a relationship with him. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is when you should be fearful. That is when you should be worried. That is when you should should really be contemplating, what am I doing with my life right now? Because having a relationship with Jesus Christ is so important. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Seek him every single day. You should treat your relationship with Jesus Christ more important than that of your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends. That is the most important thing in the world so that when you do finally die and you pass away from this mortal earth you will wake up with him and then we have the promise that we will be with him for eternity do you know how long eternity is forever eternity is forever and our 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 human minds cannot fully grasp that we cannot fully grasp what, what eternity is That's why so many people have a hard time with believing what the Bible says and believing in God, believing in this being that was, you know, since before the beginning of time, who always was. We cannot fathom that, okay? And that's the beginning. But now go to the end because there is no end. We will be with God for eternity in divine relationship with him, right? That is the gift of heaven. That is the gift that that we have to look forward to. This is why we do not sorrow as those who have no hope and why we have more than a wishful hope. When a sinner dies, we we mourn for them. Someone who doesn't know Jesus, we mourn for them. But when a believer dies, we only mourn for ourselves because they are with the Lord, right? Think about it like that. When a believer dies, we don't have a reason to mourn for them. We shouldn't be sad you know for them that they passed we're we're sorry for ourselves because we we are still here we are experiencing the pain of of being separated from them we're we you know we're 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 upset because we no longer get to see them speak to them spend time with them right you know we we're, we're mourning for ourselves you know my brother-in-law passed away earlier this year and you know and, and it was not a good situation around his death and you know, and through through um, various things, you know, we have the assurance that he's in he's in heaven right now. You know, he had faith in Jesus. But we're still upset. We still mourn. My wife still has her moments where where, 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 where she needs to be consoled because of the loss of, of her brother, right? But we're mourning for ourselves. We're upset because of the pain that we feel. We have no reason to be upset. About the pain that they feel because they don't feel no more pain, they are pain free. They're in their glorified body with Jesus. One of the most common um, Christian epitaphs from the from the um, early Christian church and the early the, the early uh, catacombs and cemeteries was "In peace, rest in peace." Psalm four eight says, "I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell." And safety, we should look at death in the same way as the early Christians did. What's sad is that not all Christians are at this place of peace and confidence. Even us as Christians today, in our unbelief, have had the same fear and hopelessness about death. Even as Christians, we, we can still suffer from this hopelessness, this fear of death. And we need to be reminded of of where our faith is, we need to be reminded about where, you know, where we're going, where our brothers and sisters in Christ are going, right? And I'm telling you right now, when you, if you have fear of death, if you, if you confess to be a Christian and Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, we have the assurance that we will be in heaven. And if you fear death, right, that is nothing but a lie from the enemy trying to put uh, seeds of doubt in your mind So that you doubt who God is. You doubt where your future is going to be at, right? And you need to come against that and pray against that, right? And rebuke that demon that's trying to bring you down and trying to make you confused, okay? This is is so important, guys, because we are all going to face death. We're all going to, if you have it, you will. You will lose a loved one. You will lose a friend, Right? And if they are a believer, we have the assurance of where they're going to be. Verse fifteen says, "By the word of the Lord." Paul Paul emphasized that this was a command coming from authority. Now we don't know whether Paul um, received it by by a direct revelation or 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 maybe it was an unrecorded you know unrecorded words of Jesus that weren't put in the Bible, but you know the disciples passed on them. We don't know where he got it, but we do know it came from authority. However he received it, he received it from the Lord, right? One way or another, it came from Jesus and it didn't originate from him. Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know that those who are asleep, Christians who have died before Jesus returns, will by no means be at a disadvantage. God will allow those who are asleep to share in the glory of the coming of the Lord. We who are alive means that Paul himself shared in the expectancy. It wasn't because Paul had a, had a wrong or, or a mistaken promise of the return of Jesus in his lifetime. More, more likely, Paul is setting an example of expectancy for the churches of all ages. Paul didn't know when Jesus was coming back, but he knew that Jesus was going to return, right? And Christians and saints of all generations up until now have all been expecting the return of Jesus, right? Everyone says, you know, God, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You know, and we have no idea when that's going to be. Proper Christian anticipation should include the imminent return of Christ, even if he does not return in our lifetime, even if he doesn't return in our children's and our children's children's lifetime. You know, we still have the assurance and the promise that Jesus will return. He will return, brothers and sisters. All of God's promises are yes and amen. So Jesus will return, even if we don't see it. Verse 16 says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. When Jesus comes, he's going to come personally. It's going to be him who's returning to earth. He will he will descend and come with a shout. The ancient Greek word for, for shout um, here is the same word used um, as like a, a commander um, speaking to his troops, you know, or even yelling at his troops, right? Um, you know, I was in the military. I had troops under me. There were some times when I may have had to speak to them in elevated tones, we will say. Right. And if people weren't asleep in my house, I would give you an example of that. However, um, I enjoy my life and I don't want my wife to come down here and eliminate me from this this soap meeting. So I will not give you that example. But imagine a shout. Go go watch a movie and you see military, you know, shouting and yelling at, at different individuals. You know, Jesus will return with a shout. Apparently, there's going to be an audible signal that begins this amazing event. It may be that that all three descriptions we read about in verse 16, where it says, he will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. Maybe all three of these, shout, voice, trumpet, refer to the same sound. Or there may be distinct sounds, but the, the rapture will not be silent it will not be secret though the vast majority of people may not understand the sound or the meaning people are going to know something is happening the earth is going to feel when this happens whether they understand it or not when paul was um on the road to damascus and he was knocked off his beast and jesus appeared to him um he heard a heavenly voice in acts 9 and his his companions who were with him heard the sound of a voice, but they could not articulate the words. They didn't understand what was being said, but they heard voices. They heard a sound, but they didn't understand its meaning. It may be well that the that this shout, this voice, this trumpet... Um, that accompanies the rapture will have the same effects. The the entire world may hear a heavenly sound, but have no idea what the meaning is. It may bring it, it brings confusion. It says, with the voice of an archangel, this doesn't mean that the Lord Himself is an archangel. Now, Michael is the only archangel described in the Bible. All right. Our Christian Bible. There are different beliefs, you know. Um, you know, uh uh Gabriel being an archangel, Lucifer being an archangel. If you go to um, other texts, um, such as the Book of Enoch, which is not part of our Bible. Okay, let me make it correct. they make it very, very clear. Not part of our Bible. But the Book of Enoch describes seven archangels. Our Bible, not the Catholic Bible, our Christian Bible only describes one archangel, and that is Michael. Michael the archangel. He's the only one in our Bible. Jude 1.9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, they're not being against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Paul means that when Jesus comes, he will come, you know, in the in in the company of prominent angels. Right. We don't know we don't know exactly what that what that um is, really means, you know. But it says he, you know, he with he, the voice of an archangel, and archangel Michael will be there, and probably other prominent angels that we don't know. Okay, and I'm not here to say whether there are multiple archangels or not. I know what my Bible says. Right, my Bible says there's just one. It says with the trumpet, with the trumpet of God, in the Old Testament, trumpets sounded the alarm for war. And, th- and 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 would throw the enemy into a panic. You know, armies would, you know, especially if they're, they're trying to surprise, they would be as loud as they could, right, to bring confusion. Numbers 10, 9 says, when you go to war in your land against the enemy who presses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. And it goes on to say, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul is very clear here. The prior dead in Christ... Will not be left out of either the resurrection or the return of Jesus. In fact, they will experience it first. But what that looks like, I really can't tell you. But the dead in Christ, those who have passed before us, they will rise first. Many wonder how the dead in Christ will rise first. How how is this gonna How's this gonna happen? Some believe that they they now have temporary bodies and await this resurrection. So others believe that they are now they're, they're just spirits who wait for resurrection still others believe that the dead in christ experienced the resurrection immediately and are already with christ you know so there's all different types of interpretations but we cannot get wrapped up in that to bring division amongst the church that's that's one thing that's so important because all these different viewpoints even when it comes later you know we're going to talk about the rapture here in a minute you know and, and it it causes a lot of division brothers and sisters, but there will come a day in God's eternal plan where the dead in Christ will receive the resurrected bodies. Yet until that day, we are confident that the dead in Christ are not in some kind of soul sleep or some some, some kind of suspended animation. Paul made it very clear in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, that that to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. That is the bottom line, okay? So whether they have resurrected bodies or not, what that doesn't mean doesn't matter. They are with the Lord today. That is the promise that Paul wrote about here in Second Corinthians, verse seventeen says, "Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them; those alive and remaining until the coming of Jesus are caught up to meet Jesus in the air, together with the dead in Christ, um, who have already risen, caught up." means to uh, to carry off by force, to seize, right? To pull up. The ancient Greek phrase, to meet, was used as a technical term to, to describe the, uh, an official welcoming of honored guests, an honoring of uh, of, of guests. The passage, um, is, is this passage is the basis of our New Testament doctrine of rapture, which is the catching up, way of believers to be with Jesus. Now, rapture, the word rapture is not in the original Greek um, text, but comes from the Latin Vulgate, which was a, a Latin translation of the Greek Bible in the fourth century. Translate, uh, the, the caught up with the Latin word rapturus, which is where we get our English word rapture. But Paul's language here is so straightforward and, and free from figurative speech that there is no missing his intent. He speaks of Christians being caught up, flying upwards in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We wouldn't believe this unless the Bible told it were so, right? If if some random preacher came out one day, if this was the, if, if this whole idea was not in the Bible, and some random dude was like, "Hey man, we're we're gonna get caught up in the air," but like, man, you crazy? That makes no sense. But the Bible is very clear. Paul is clear. This is gonna happen. When it says, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Paul's plain language leaves us no doubt regarding the certainty of this event. This is going to happen. Yeah, again, the timing of this event and the chronology of God's plan um, is a matter of again debate amongst Christians. Many, um, not though not all Christians believe that the Bible teaches that there will be a seven-year period. Of history before the Battle of Armageddon and the return of Jesus, and this seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation has been debated um, as far as where the, the the catching away, the rapture fits in um, to this. Uh, there's the pre-tribulation, with belie- which is believers are caught up before the seven-year period. There is the mid-tribulation where believers are, are caught up in the in the middle of the seven-year period. Uh, There's the pre-wrath where believers are caught up in the second half of the seven-year period. There's the post-tribulation idea where believers are caught up at the end of the seven-year period. But listen, whatever one believes, these differences of understanding should not divide the lines of Christian fellowship. Whether you believe it's pre, post, mid, whatever, should not cause division. You know, I have my own belief. I believe in a a pre-tribulation rapture. I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong because Paul, you know, he doesn't specify this. However, I know that at some point we are all going to be resurrected. We're all going to be raptured to heaven, okay? So when it happens, doesn't matter. The fact that it it is going to happen is what matters here, brothers and sisters. That is the important part of this, that we will be resurrected. We will be raised to be with Jesus Christ. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. The main point is that whatever the state of, uh, of Christians at the Lord's coming, whether dead or alive, they will always be with the Lord. This is the the, the great reward of heaven. This is the reward of heaven, to be with Jesus, to be with our creator, to be with our savior. Death can't break our unity with Jesus. Listen to me. Death cannot break our unity with Jesus because to be dead in here is to be with the Lord, right? Death only brings us closer to Jesus. We shall always be with the Lord. You know, when it says it, it's an important truth with, with with many implications. You know, I, I wrote some notes down here. It, says, it implies um, to be with the Lord. It implies continuation because it assumes you are already with the Lord. It implies hope for the dying because in death we shall still be with the Lord. It implies a future confidence because after death we are with the Lord. And it implies advancement because we will one day always be with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we will always be with the Lord. Once we, once we pass from this mortal life or if we're raptured to heaven, we will always be with the Lord. Forever and always, for all of eternity. That is a promise that we can stand on, brothers and sisters. So my final point, verse 18, therefore comfort one another. Paul did not tell them to take comfort. He tells them to give comfort. The way that God works, we always receive comfort as we give it. The truth of the the return of Jesus for his people and the eternal union of Jesus and his people is to be the source of comfort for all Christians. We have the ultimate comfort to know that one day we will be with Jesus. We have the ultimate comfort to know that no matter what we're going through, no matter what hardships, no matter what it is, we'll one day come to, to an end. And we will be with Jesus. And we will always be with Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, I I pray that no matter what you're going through, what life has thrown at you, whether you're in the middle of, of a trial or not, whether you're just coming out of a trial or you're just about to get into a trial, we have the assurance that it will come to an end and that one day we will be with the Lord and we will be with the Lord always. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for your promises, Lord God. Father, it's easy for us to read uh, scriptures about uh, the tribulation and the rapture and and, and, and be afraid, be, be worried about what's going to happen, Lord God. Father, we need to look past that, Lord God, and I pray that you will help us look past that so we can keep our focus on you, Lord God, so that we can have the assurance that we will be with you forever. That once we go through whatever it is we're going through, once we go through the trials and tribulations, Father, that we will be with you forever and that you are our great reward that we will find in heaven. Lord, heaven is described with, with you know gold streets and mansions and, and all this amazing uh, uh visions of, of what heaven's gonna be, Lord God. But F- Father, the greatest thing about heaven is your presence and that we will be with you forever, Lord. Lord, Father, thank you for this promise. Thank you for that we can stand on this, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call. Thank you, Lord, that they, they took the time to, to, to wake up, to dig into your word, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would honor them with, with, with more insights, more visions, more dreams of what you have in store for them, Lord God. Father, as we as we close the door on 22 and we open the door to 23, Father Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're already there. You've already made a way. You're already at the end of 2023. You've already designed our past, Father, Lord, and we pray that we would just get closer to you, that you would give us the, the, the wisdom and the, the insight, Father, to, to how we can help bring more people to you, Lord God, so we can plunder hell, Lord God, and populate heaven, Father. Lord, we are expecting for, for greater things than we've even seen so far. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, love you guys, and I will see you in the new year. God bless.